Welcome back. DGI Multiverse. This is DGI Mark. For the Dad's Got Issues podcast, this is issue number 45. Uh, this is our Hot Off the Press edition. Uh, back after a two-week hiatus um, from comic book content. So we have a couple stories to cover. We know we gave you guys a big uh, DC Future State issue with the last Hot Off the Press issue, but uh, we're going to get back into our normal slate of some of the books that you traditionally hear us covering, um, and some titles have wrapped up, some titles have moved on in the story, um, and we're going to give you four... Uh, Four titles today, two DC, two independent. Um, just quick recaps on three of them, and then we're going to dive kind of deep into Deceased Dead Planet number seven, the finale to um, Tom Taylor's latest um, saga in the uh, Deceased uh, multiverse. Uh, but we'll get started today with a little bit of, um, I guess, comic book news that's like broke over the last couple of weeks. Um, Yara Floor, the the new Wonder Woman from DC Rebirth. Um, we we both compliment well I complimented her her issue number one. Issue number two was just as good. Um which we will get into. We're going to give you guys a part two to the DC future state um, at the end of the month when the series, all these series start to wrap up. Um, but her uh, Wonder Woman character has been greenlit to move forward in the Wonder Woman book post future state. Um, Wonder Woman or Diana Prince is still going to be involved in the DC universe. It's just, she's going to be taking a more God or um, omnipresent approach in, in future stories, apparently. Um, but it, it's uh, she got she got greenlit, and then I think they greenlit another book as well. I can't remember which one. I just remember when she uh, when they announced that, that that was being greenlit. I thought that was DC actually kind of listening to fans for a change instead of them just oh well, we like this character. We don't really care if you're really buying this one. Um, so hopefully they they stay true to who she is, and you know she has a. a you know, she has a good successful run. Um, I think if DC got anything from Future State, it would be some new characters, some new faces for a new generation of heroes that, you know, unfortunately in like New 52, it kind of failed. Anytime they try to introduce somebody new um, that was kind of forced upon us, you know, people weren't really into it. Where I don't think with the way they naturally kind of progressed into what they're doing with her, I think a lot of people, um, I think a lot of people have bought into it. Um, oh, and then obviously the other th- thing from DC, the sh- Shazadam bullshit <laughs> in the, the DC, uh, Justice League teases moving forward. Um, DC had to come out and basically just like put the, f- the flame out on that as soon as they possibly could. Apparently Bleeding Cool released an article stating that they were moving forward with changing Black Adam's name to Shazadam. Um, cause he is now joining the justice league as a full fledged member and a hero. Um, why DC would change his name is beyond the scope of imagination, but DC, DC actually came out and was like, yeah, no, we're not doing that. There was some, there was three random panels in a justice league, either future state book that's to be released soon or a justice league, like post like infinite frontier book to be released. And they basically a civilian, or like a citizen calls him Shazadam. He never calls himself that. The Justice League never calls him that. When the person describes what he looks like, Superman immediately calls him Black Adam. So it's one of those things where Bleeding Cool got like an excerpt 
or got a preview and they were like, oh, well, they're calling him this now. Just because it's in print and some random, it's, you know, it, it's, it's like Spider-Man, you know, oh, it looks like a spider boy. And he's like, no, I'm Spider-Man. Like he names himself. He's the superhero. He gets to pick his moniker for the most part, you know, but just because some Joe Schmo on the streets in New York called him spider boy or spider thing or what, that doesn't mean that's his fucking name. But Bleeding Cool got their, you know, their their panties in them. I'm not a big Bleeding Cool guy. I like CBR. I like comic book news. Um, I think they all kind of break the same stories as they break. And Bleeding Cool does seem to get scoops on things. But sometimes a lot of their stuff gets debunked. Well, this Shazadam thing got debunked. And then they got all butt hurt and put out this preview that was sent to them. Basically stating, oh, well, it was printed. That name's in print. It's his name now. And you're like, no, man. Like, just because some random person in Qatar calls him fucking Shazadam doesn't mean he's not Black Adam anymore. It's just that's what that person called him. Is what it is. But yeah, that's the, that was the two big pieces, I think, of news that came out of, um, of DC in the last week as far as comic books goes. Not much else, um, at least that we follow. Uh when uh, we have a lot of news to cover in, in uh, around the multiverse uh, issue 46 this week. Uh, so make sure you guys tune in for that. But let's dive into the books for this week. Let's start with uh, Department of Truth, number five from James Tynan and company over at Image. Um, yeah. I'd say this was probably my favorite book of the of the of the polls that we are we're going to be covering. Yeah. Um, just because we're getting more we're getting more um backstory i guess yes uh, yeah and we're definitely getting more into cole and how he's fitting into this whole equation yeah. um between the department of truth and black hat so it was i, I really enjoyed this. yeah I, and, and and it's also it's harkened back to the the monster um that played cole as a child and you know black hat basically states that you know cole's being fed like a basically fed lies that he's he's a part of the good guys he's a part of the right side of history right now where black hat is basically saying that like the government controlling the narrative is not a good thing the government putting out news and putting out things isn't a good thing black hat is trying to prove that the government is just doing what they're doing to control the masses and cole and um uh, Martin Barker, who I believe is supposed to be either an agent or he, I mean, it's kind of an inclination that he's, he's the guy in charge of Black Hat. Have an interaction inside of Cole's apartment after Cole commits double homicide. Black Hat's already aware of this murder. They're already aware of all the other stuff that Cole has been looking into. Um, and basically he just explains to him that, you know, look, we're trying to show you the truth. Where the department of truth is now trying to use you as an agent of control to the truth. Um, but obviously, you know, they, he, he shows that, that like he shows the monster, the monster that Cole was plagued with as a child that kind of fucked him up and got him to this point in life. And then we dealt with, I believe in what issue number two. I think it was two. It might've been, it's either two or three. It yeah. was early yeah, so it so like I said, it was either two or three, but that was the issue that me and Charlie previously stated. Like it was a great issue. We're like, man, this is what we want to get into. Like, this is some crazy X Files type weird. And then we went away from that for a few issues. Well, that monster comes back. Um, and basically, you know, he says, you know, 
we, you know, we, he's, he's saying that he didn't cook up the mon that they didn't cook up the monster. Black hat didn't, but they spread it. Black hat spread the monster because it was such a preposterous idea that this thing was out here, like eating children, eating babies, that if they got more people to believe in it, that's something that's significantly harder for for the federal government to control that narrative, you know what I mean? Like you, it, it's it's not like guns or the president or politics or you're talking about a monster that's abducting children and eating them, right? Um, but yeah, so basically the monster, um, you know, is working working at behest the black hat, um, and you know, he basically black hat and Martin Baker basically tell Cole, you have a bigger part in this than you realize. And you have a bigger part in this than department of truth is putting on to you. Um, and then obviously, um, he asks who the woman in red is. And, um, Martin Baker basically tells him that's the million dollar question, isn't it? So I think all the, like me and Charlie are tremendously interested in the weird, the woman, the woman in red is clearly the main, antagonist in this storyline right like you have the department of truth you have black hat you have cole but you you have this this ominous figure in the woman in red who nobody knows who she is or what she is or what her true like extent of her power is um but then at the end of it um cole's partner comes busting into the door and martin baker makes his escape and then we're left with a image of the woman in red standing outside of um, Cole's apartment. And, you know, they fade to black to be continued. Um, James is doing a brilliant job with this book. We're going to talk about um, his other title with Boom, um, Something's Killing the Children, um, in a moment. But I, honestly, Department of Truth is a, is, a, is a slow burn, but it gives you enough in each book to entertain but then when you get really, like you said, this, this gave some backstory, gave some meat to the bones of some of the stuff we've previously read. Now we're starting to develop some, some sort of characteristics to like Cole, to Black Hat, to the Department of Truth characters, and even to some of the monsters and things that are being made up within this story. You know, they're starting to gain, you know, some, some feet, some legs to walk on, so to speak. Um, but I think, like I said, I think James is doing a great um doing a great job with this. Um, and I hope he, I hope it continues the way it's going. Yeah, I agree. Um, so what, what's your, what's your, what's your thoughts about issue number five? Um, I, like I said, I, I loved it. It was good. I liked, uh, I liked all the, um, the backstory and, and, uh, excuse me. um, I, I like that you're putting Cole in a position where it's like in the real world, right? Yeah. It, you, you, you have somebody who they're, they're, they're stuck in the middle, right? Yeah. And you know, it's like having an argument with anybody where you're like, Hey, you know, I'm trying to explain this to you. And the thing is black hat is providing him with all of these logical explanations. Like, it's not like it's far fetched. It's not like you can't tr follow it. Right. It's, yeah. it's, no, we we we're we're admitting these things happen. We admit that these things are going on. It's just your perception of it is, is different. Yeah, is 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 not is not up to par with what it actually is. Right. Um. Um. But yeah, man. All in all, is great. Uh. You know, it, it, I'm glad that we we got back to this because um, it's it's been one of my favorite books to read. It's just 
you know, when we when we moved away from it, it was like, okay, but let, can we get back to that, yeah. that story? And it, and and it's it's one of those books we're only getting one issue a month, which is good because it keeps us moving, you know, throughout. But it's definitely one of those books that we 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 enjoy enough that if they if they went to a two two issue a month, man, it'd be great. But obviously, we know James has a pretty <laughs> pretty heavy. He's got, full, he's got a full slate. Slate, you know, as, as it is. So you know, we we get and we understand. Um, but uh. We'll move off of that, move to a DC title, uh, Batman Catwoman uh, issue number two. Um, Tom King and Clay Mann. Uh, for me, so your biggest issue that you had with James's Joker War was the conclusion of the fact that like it was teased that the Joker was going to die or meet his, you know, meet his end, whatever, and it didn't come to fruition. How did issue number two of Batman Catwoman make you feel? Well, uh, you know, we still don't know, right? We don't, we but... But, you know what? Maybe this is it. Maybe this is the this is the end of the Joker. And for it to not come at the hands of Batman, just kind of... I, I mean, I guess through extension, Selena and, and Bruce, right, are... are are the are a couple and so she gets her i guess revenge or whatever yeah um but um so so what I we're what we're what we're making an inkling of is in issue number two of batman catwoman issue one built the laid the groundwork for basically selena selena had been assisting the joker during the the present time story in batman catwoman Basically, she stole something for him at some point in time, which has now brought back um, the Ghost of Phantasm, um, which obviously we know to this point was one of Bruce's, you know, ex-girlfriends. But, you know, Bruce is, we say he's none the wiser, but he's Batman. So, you know what I mean? Part of him understands that you know something bigger is going on around him right right um he even calls selena out yeah he you know she asks him you know you you know you think the joker stole the necklace and like it was like one of those thefts that like nobody in their right mind would think the joker would be able to do it as cleanly as it was done um well, and he and he just flat out he calls her. He's like, "Look, I'm just, I don't have time for this kind of thing." Yeah, like steal it or not. Yeah, and then obviously it, it flashes forward. You know, this book, this this series is 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 going from present to future, and you know Bruce has passed away in the future. Selena is now confronting the Joker. The Joker's trying is living a mundane, retired life. He's an old man. And basically him and like Joker understands that Selena is there to kill him. Um, she understands or he understands that he goes into the kitchen, grabs a gun out of the freezer when he tries to come back in and surprise her. Selena gets the jump on him. They get into a little, you know, a quick little brawl. And then, you know, at the end of this issue, Selena slices the Joker's throat with her nails. So we, you, you know, we, 
we had this inclination, like we said from from Joker Wars, that we expected there to be a death, whether it had been Batman allowing Harley Quinn to kill Joker or whether it would be Batman killing Joker. It didn't occur. For Charlie, that was a big issue. I kind of, as a Batman fan, knew that that wasn't going to happen because they need the Joker. Um, but it didn't, it didn't ruin it for either of us, but we definitely were expecting something more cataclysmic at the end of Joker Wars. Um, but this book is giving us a, a window into the closure that I think we were expecting. And like you said, it's not Bruce killing, you know, Joker, but it's, it's Selena as a proxy because Bruce is no longer alive. Um, she blames the Joker for Bruce, Bruce's death because I, I guess he was, he had cancer. Um, and you know, basically she believes that something the Joker did caused that. And, you know, she's there to kind of collect her, her penance, so to speak. But it's a great, it's, it's a beautifully drawn book. Claymont is, is one of the best artists DC has on their roster. And when he does Batman stuff, it's always great. Um, so him working with Tom is great. Um, it's it's a much stronger book two than book one was. Yeah, well, I, what I think also helps is that you know going into it, we knew like the type, the style of, of the story, right? Yeah, you, you, we weren't getting confused going through. Like, why are we jumping from present to past to you know even further in the past? Like, yeah, we, it was easier to read this time through. So it's it's a good read. Definitely should pick it up if you haven't already done so. Um, and I believe it's I want to say it's either twelve. It's either nine or twelve. It's a maxi series. It's not a mini series. Um, but yeah, it's good. The covers are great too. Jim Lee's been doing a lot of cover work for it. I've been picking up the Jim Lee ones um, as long as well as the the regular editions. Uh, uh, but uh, we'll move back off of DC back into the world of independence for Boom Studios. Uh, Something is Killing the Children, issue number 14 by James Tynan. Um, obviously, you know, we are on, on, what's the word I'm looking for? We are, we are, we are James Tynan fan boys to yeah. an extent. We, we enjoy pretty much anything independently that he is doing. Um, and we have enjoyed his DC uh, runs as well on pretty much all the titles. Um, some, some, huh? right? it's, not, it's not like we're like, oh, yeah, man, we really love James Tan. It's He just happens to be associated with all these things that we've got looked into. <laughs> yeah. Like, if, had you not told me that he was behind Department of Truth, like if you, if, if, or any of these books, if you didn't have his name associated with it, because they are all different. Yes. Books, right. Um, if you would have not, if you if you never told me that it was the same guy behind all of them, I would have never known. Yeah. You know what I mean. So. So, um, issue number fourteen picks up where issue number thirteen kind of left off with the families in the gym with the order, um, you know, kind of wrangling up the civilians basically for slaughter, um. Erica has James and um shit, what's her name? I'm trying to find her name. Was it er Erica? Well, Erica's Erica is our, our is our our protagonist. She's our hero. Oh, you're talking about uh, uh, Beyond. Bien. Bien. Yeah. So she's got she's got James and Bien um back at James's house. Um, and she shows them her monster for the first time. So so what what I'm understanding here is is when Erica was a child, she was also exposed to a monster. 
her monster, which is inside of her squid, like her stuffed animal. Um, when the people at the slaughterhouse um, brought, basically brought her in, they taught her how to tame the monster and like capture it, tame it, and make it a, a weapon for her. You know what I mean? For her to use. Right. Um, and she, she shows the kids, you know, she shows James and Ben that her monster and like Ben's like, Oh, I don't like it, but it's scary. And she basically explains to him like, you know, it, it, it could be a lot worse. I tamed it. This is, this is actually in it like a cuter form, so to speak. Um, she, you know, explains to him that it's still a very dangerous entity, but she has it under control. She then basically puts James and Mien into this like deep sleep trance, almost like, you know, hypnosis. And she gets James to kind of to describe and to imagine what the monster, the mother monster looked like for the, the monsters that are out and about attacking the townspeople. Um, which then allows her monster, I guess, either to, to, to harness that appearance. That's what I'm getting from what I'm, I'm, I read and what I'm looking at now. She basically, her monster can harness this appearance and mimic, you know, the sounds and the, like the movements and the things that of this, the mother monster, so to speak, um, to draw in all these babies that are out and about still, um, so Erica then basically tells James to keep him and Bien in the house. Don't come out, no matter what they hear, no matter what they see. Um, and then Erica goes out, and as her monster attracts the baby monsters, the fight ensues. Um, but in the midst of all of, while all that is going on, basically Erica saving the town, so there would be real, really no reason for the slaughterhouse to come in and slaughter the entire town they are at the gym with the sheriff and the townspeople and things like that basically rounding them up and the townspeople are doing their best to try and convince these folks that like hey we're not going to tell anybody what happened here today and then um the i forget what his name is what's his name sophie's uh older brother he um he, he and his mom are in the gym. She's saying goodbye to her daughter, who's in a body bag, obviously, because all the kids were lined up. Um, and he comes up with this idea to basically take the rap for what happened there. Basically tell the sheriff, like, hey, I killed all these kids. You guys saw me rip this kid apart in the parking lot. Blah, 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 blah. I'll, Tommy's his name. Tommy's like, I'll take... I'll take responsibility so people here can survive. Like I'll go to jail for this. Um, and you know, the orders like this won't, or the, the slaughterhouse orders like this won't work. This isn't going to work. You know, he's like, why? He's like, if every person in here agrees that I did this, then we move on. Like it never happened. You know, or like we move on, like it happened in that way. Um, and basically he convinces the sheriff and the townspeople just to give the slaughterhouse and give the, the general public who's going to ask questions a better story. Um, and then basically, like I said, you know, Erica gets into a long knockout, drag out fight with the monsters. Um, and we get left on the cliffhanger of Tommy confronting the slaughterhouse group of assassins. And then basically them saying there's a cleaner way to, to end all of this. And they don't they don't tell us whether or not they're they're killing the townspeople or they're gonna accept his story and do that. Um so yeah, so issue 14 had a lot, a lot of plot development. 
into it. Um, so what were your thoughts reading through issue 14? Um, so not, a, I, I guess earlier in the book, I guess there was more dialogue than there was towards the end, but it was, there wasn't a lot said. I mean, the, the last few panels, you, you get that, what you just, what you just covered. Um, the fight and everything though, I felt like it kind of just drug on. Uh, a little too long. Um, this, I like how we're getting uh, we're getting further into this, uh, and, and looks like we're getting hopefully closer to a resolution. But um, this was probably one of the one of the only issues of something is killing children that I wasn't really thrilled with. Like I felt like it just kind of drug from the beginning to the end. So uh, for me. So, so the, the thing, uh, the best way I think you can describe this issue is that it, it's like the filler episodes on Walking Dead, right? You know, yeah. you, you, you need an episode to move the story along, right? So every issue up pretty much up to this point has just been, I mean, they've had one or two other issues very similar to this one, but they as well are kind of story-driven issues. They're not action-driven issues. Now, where this story does, I mean, this issue does give you a lot of action. I mean, I agree with you doing like four or five pages of Erica battling the monsters with really no outcome other than her just fucking annihilating them and obviously getting hurt in the process. She seems to do that a lot. But like the other stuff in this issue that really took up the bulk of the dialogue was just story plot movement that's all it really was um but it's it's necessary it's a comic book it's a series it's not like this is a one and done or one shot so you need that every so often it does drag a little bit but it's one of those things of almost i can honestly say i didn't expect tommy to come out and be like yeah we'll just we'll just tell people i did it i didn't expect to see that in this issue as a means to get out of you know the slaughterhouse coming in and cleaning shop but it's definitely an interesting wrench thrown into the game but it seems like Erica has, I don't know how many of these, these children monsters are out there or baby monsters are out there. So if she killed all of them in this issue. It seems like she may be able to now turn her attention to the order or to the slaughterhouse group before they, they can take action against the citizens. Right. Um, but yeah, overall good. It's still a good story. It's still a good read. Uh, like Charlie said, it does meddle a little bit, but it, it, it's it's kind of a necessity in a book like this. You need to have an issue or two. I think you used a good comparison with like The Walking Dead, right? It it like and how I said a drug, but like that last um, that last like two minutes of of the uh, Supernatural was infamous for doing this with their yeah. filler episodes, right? Yeah. But that last two minutes of the show, you're like, okay, yeah, all right. And now you're set up for the next, now, you know, you're set up for the next thing. So that's fine. That's what this book did. Um, and uh, we'll see where it goes from here. Yeah. All right. So uh, last issue we are going to dive into today um, for you uh, ladies and germs at home um, is Deceased Dead Planet issue number seven of seven, the series, or I'm going to assume, is this the series finale? That's that's what I took out of it, the way yeah. that it ended. Um, so, um, obviously you, if you've read deceased, deceased unkillables, deceased dead planet, um, if you've read this entire deceased lineup to this point, you under like, it starts with the anti-life equation. Um, 
basically taking over, going through electronics, screens, things like that, infecting people, whatever. Um, and the heroes obviously fall and die and so on and so forth. There's no hope, blah, 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 blah. When uh, at the end of Deceased, the original run, the heroes actually, the, the, the remaining heroes in whatever portion of society that was not infected end up getting onto like a air or uh, basically a spaceship and going off into space to try and wait it out essentially um the, the heroes that were that had remained uh were uh Jonathan Kent, Damian Wayne, Donna Troy, um Black Canary, Green Arrow and uh, a handful of others. Uh, and then there was a group of heroes that stayed on Earth. They were the unkillables in the second run um, that, that Tom Taylor wrote. And then, you know, obviously, Deceased Dead Planet brings our original hero, our, our original group of, of displaced heroes back to Earth um, because they basically find out that there, there's a potentiality for a cure. Cyborg, the cure is inside of Cyborg, and that's what we basically deal with all of Deceased Dead Planet is them getting back to Earth, them communicating with the heroes that are on Earth, banding together with them, trying to go out and figure out different ways to handle, like, you know, fixing things, finding out that Cyborg has the cure all along. They just need to repair him and then have him access it. And then bada-bing, bada-boom, the cure basically brings anybody that is still currently on Earth back to life. So, like, they, they, you know, all the heroes went through a phase where they were just tearing through the undead, right? They didn't want to be killed by them. They didn't want to be turned by them. So they were like, look, I'm sorry. Like, this sucks, but you got to die. Um, so it kind of hits, I think, a lot of the younger heroes, like the Jonathan Kents, the Damian Waynes, the Donna Troys. It hits them a little bit harder when they realize, like, they had to kill, like, their parents, they had to kill their, their, you know, their mentors. They had to kill civilians when all along they could have saved them. They could have just figured out a way to save them. Um, and they kind of hit on that in the last issue. So the, we, we, we get introduced to the band of villains earlier on in DC's Dead Planet that have basically bunkered away and built this Amazo army that the only thing that the Amazos attack are individuals that are affected or infected with the anti-life matter, right? Um, and that's problematic for our heroes who now have a cure because amazers are literally going across the globe and just fucking annihilating everybody at this point. Um, and then on top of all of those problems that the heroes are dealing with, Trigon is uh, roaming the streets of Paris and just decimating the land underneath his feet. Um... Seems all seems like a, a very problematic time to be a hero in the DC multiverse, to say yeah, the least. Whatever could be going wrong is going wrong. Yes. <laughs> and you're missing some of your heaviest hitters because they've all either been zombified or killed or whatever. So um yeah, so basically issue number seven, um, the heroes have the cure. They've produced it. They, you know, they're now taking their time and their opportunity to fight back against the Amazos and destroy them or, or to hold them off long enough for the rest of the heroes 
to go about their business and, um, you know, basically vaccinate and try to cure as many people as they possibly can. Um, all while John Constantine and the, the magic portion of the DC universe are now trying to um, stop Trigon. And uh, basically the heroes are, are successful in turning most of the population back with the help of the Flash and some other heroes. Um, they effectively stop the Amazo army. And then the last real, I guess, problem that they have to check off their list was stopping um, stopping Trigon. And uh, John Constantine has the helmet of, of Dr. Fate, um, the Shazam. He has the power of, um, Shazam, of the Rock of Knowledge for Shazam. He's got Ragman's coat. And he's got a, a staff um, that he took a couple issues back. Basically, he's putting every bit of power and, you know, magical nuance that the DC universe has um, uh, in order to take on Trigon one-on-one. Um, he eventually does end up dying, but comes back because he has the powers of Dead Man and is able to actually go in and take over the the mind of Trigon and basically captures himself in his mind, his own mind, and then he kills himself. So that's how they get rid of Trigon. Um, and then obviously the Flash and all the heroes, like I said, cure pretty much everybody and anybody that's infected still. And you get all the loving reunions. You get Jonathan Kent reuniting with um, John Kent, uh, Superman's, or his grandfather. Um, you get Mira reuniting with um, Garth. Uh, you get Cassandra. It's not Donna Troy, sorry, it's Cassandra. Uh, Cassandra reuniting with the the leaders and the women on the Amazons on Themyscira, and so on and so forth. Um, and then obviously the big splash page at the end is the reuniting of Green Arrow and Black Canary. So for me, I'm kind of sad to see it end. I mean, I'm happy our heroes kind of come out of this triumphantly. But like, this is such a good event book that's had such a, a, a monumental run of like, I mean, you're talking two or three series now. It's almost kind of sad to think that we're doing a DC future state right now where they wanted to introduce new characters and put people in mantles or, mo- or mature stories or characters along. Tom Taylor's done it for you. <laughs> like, like yeah. Damian Wayne's a full-blown Batman. Jonathan Kent is super, and he's like, they're both likable. They're all likable. Well, yeah, that and that's, and I think we talked about it early on, like, you know, seeing uh, Jonathan and seeing Damian, you know, step up to the, to the plate and, and, you know, not only I think live up to the legacy, but, but, you know, put their own stamp on it and they did really good. Um, like I would be completely fine, but even seeing Damian yeah. as Batman and like, like even Wally West, like Wally West played a yeah. huge role in, in, in the yeah. end of the story that, you know, made, made him like, for me, that was one of his, his few solo acts as a speedster where you're like that, that's something the flash would do. Um, and, uh, and I'm, I'm all for a green lantern, a black canary, you know, uh, her as the green lantern. Yeah. Um, running side by side with the green arrow. Yeah. And then, uh, and then they re 
you know, they reintroduced, um, you know, they, they introduced a new version of the Justice League, too. Uh, Big Barda, Mary Marvel, Hawk Girl, or Hawk Woman, our, our, our Green Canary, I guess is what we can call her. Um, and uh, what looks like Mr. Miracle, if I'm not mistaken, he just doesn't have a mask. So my thing is, is like when you're looking at like like character introduction, like I don't know what the I'm guessing the Bat Woman is Cassandra Kane because she's wearing the spoiler um, costume style, but she has the Shazam logo on her chest. So like she's got she's powered by the gods essentially, but she's a Bat family character. These are all maturation of characters that like you you could get behind, like things that like were like great, like. And like I like I said, you know, this is kind of something that DC seems to do. Is like Tom Taylor's deceased universe is has been heralded as one of the better things DC has put out in the last three to four years. He's did he's done such a good job on this series. Like I almost hate to say this, but like if you would have known, if you would have known three years it'd have been this popular, I don't think we have deceased metal or we have DC death metal that restarts the universe or or moves the universe along. I think you would have something like Tom Taylor's deceased where there's this cataclysmic event and these heroes actually die. Like we can't do anything about it. We can't bring them back. Right. Or you could have set up an entire another crisis level event where you could bring them back. I just think reading this and being invested in it as long as we have, I'm very, I'm very biased towards the way this story ended and thinking of what could be post deceased versus what can be post DC death metal. Um, what was your thoughts on the final issue and the wrapping of the series? So I, um, I liked it. I liked that we got a, we got a good conclusion. Um, I, I really enjoyed the, the Constantine portion of the whole, uh, of the whole story. Um, just because of him, you know, John Constantine being the guy that he is, right. Everybody thinks he's an asshole, but at the end of the day, he's the asshole you want on your team. Right. Exactly. And, uh, you know, he, he knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing the whole time. He knew what it was going to take and he didn't hesitate. He did it because it was the right thing to do. Um, so, um, I thought it was, uh, you know, it was a good conclusion and, uh, I, I just, I enjoyed the very ending, um, with, uh, Ollie and, uh, um, Black Canary, you know, uh, ending the story. Yeah. And, Um, and, and like you said, it's one of those things that like now, like in premise, Green Canary works for at least me works for you as a green lantern fan. You're like, that's a, she turned into a character. I have an acceptance of her role. Are we ever going to be able to explore that? Like, are we getting a post deceased run from Tom Taylor? I would love to know in some way, shape or form that we are, because I would love to see him flesh out this universe. And like, that's the thing Tom Taylor's come out and said, I want to write, you know, Batman. I would love to write a Justice League book. I would love to. And they give him titles here and there. He's been writing Suicide Squad for a little bit. Um, he's wrote some other stuff. 
He's he he's writing the the John Constantine um Hellblazer book for Black Label. But like just give him a universe. Like you gave no offense because you know I I enjoyed DC Death Metal and I enjoyed his Justice League run. Not really much else from Scott Snyder that I'm I'm really sold on. But you gave him an entire universe basically. Tom Taylor clearly has a has a following. He has people that really really enjoy what he's done with Deceased. Just give him a, give him a slate to work with. <clears throat> clearly, you're not recognizing it in the main titles, anyways, right? Deceased Dead Planet is basically an Elseworld book. Just give him an Elseworld universe and let him run with it. <clears throat> yeah. But uh, so that's our thoughts collectively on Deceased and its conclusion. Um, that wraps up are hot off the press. We apologize for the abrupt stop today, but uh, we didn't really have much to cover. Um, in the next week or two, we will be wrapping up Deceased, or I keep saying Deceased, uh, DC Future State and moving into Infinite Frontier. Uh, we will continue our coverage of Department of Truth and um, Department of Truth and Something is Killing the Children. Uh, we will also be picking back up on Mighty Morphin and uh, Power Rangers, as well as potentially adding a new independent titled uh, title, um, Southern Bastards. Is that what it was, Charlie? Yeah, that's. I'm gonna. I I'd like to see where that story is going. Okay, so, so we'll, we'll we'll let you guys know on all that. But if you're not already doing so, give us a follow, like, subscribe, uh, comment on the podcast. Let us know what we're doing well and what we're not. Um, if you are not following us on social media at DGI Podcast, uh, give us a follow. We post a lot of good wrestling, comic book, and entertainment content to our our Instagram and Facebook, um, and we are available for conversations pretty much. Any time of the day, whether it's daytime for Charlie, nighttime for me, uh, if you want to leave a comment and have a conversation, we usually get back to you guys pretty quickly. Um, but I have nothing else. If Charlie has nothing, send nope, it us home. All right, man. Uh, as always, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, and uh, that's all we got. Go ahead and hit our music. Mm-hmm.